Hi, I'm Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO of Girlboss. And this is Girlboss Radio, the show for and about ambitious women exploring the wins, losses, and insights learned on the winding road to success. You know, at Girlboss Radio, we're always looking to bring you closer to other remarkable women who are just as ambitious as you are. It's why we have the Girlboss Rally every year. It's why we've built the Girlboss Professional Network, which you can join on girlboss.com if you haven't already. And it's also why earlier this year we hosted our second ever retreat in partnership with Cadillac in beautiful Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm so proud of the work that we've done together with Cadillac. And we're so grateful to Cadillac for being such a great partner to us and for helping Girlboss execute such a fabulous retreat. We've long been fans of Cadillac here at Girlboss because not only are they leaders in the luxury auto industry, but they're also pioneering new ways of marketing. Which brings me to our guest for today's show. Her name is Melissa Grady, and she's the Global Chief Marketing Officer for Cadillac. And as CMO, Melissa leads strategic marketing for Cadillac around the world. She dropped a lot of knowledge during our chat, which I'll get into in just a second. But in the meantime, here's a little bit of what Melissa shared during our conversation. I like to be at the forefront of things. I like Cadillac to be at the forefront of things. And when you're at the forefront of things, that implicitly means that you're constantly learning and no one can really train you because no one knows yet. Learning to learn and teach yourself becomes a very, very important skill to have. Stay tuned for my chat with Melissa. We talk about the conversion of online and offline experiences and auto consideration, her incredible long career in marketing, what it's like to lead global marketing for an automotive brand, and their groundbreaking technologies like Super Cruise. I'm excited for you to hear from Melissa. Here's our conversation. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on Girl Boss Radio. It's such a pleasure to connect with you. We've had an incredible partnership together. We held our second annual retreat in partnership with Cadillac earlier this year in beautiful Colorado Springs. It's an incredible product. We're really, really proud of our partnership with you guys. And I'm excited to get into your new role as Global Chief Marketing Officer of Cadillac, which is a real big job. But I do want to start with the early part of your career. What was your first job and was there anything that you learned from it that you still use today? Um, So the answer to that question is yes, there are things that I still use. My first job was at Brian's Cleaners in Barrington, Illinois. And I was the person who would intake the clothes, put the tags on, deal with customers. And um, I learned a very important lesson really early because Brian would, uh, we were close to the high school and he would hire high school kids And what I found out was if you worked really hard and you were great with customers, then he would keep you on. And if you didn't work really hard, if you were kind of goofing off or if you would cheat the system in any way, then you would get fired. And I had a few friends who I was working with who ended up getting fired and I did not. And so there was there's a few things. Integrity and hard work will get you there. And that was really important. Um, And then also how to deal with when you keep pushing forward and moving on, and sometimes you're leaving your friends behind. And that looks different at every stage in your life. But in high school, it can be almost devastating to be used to working with your really good friends, and then they're not there. So it was a lot. And I learned how to process certain things pretty early that way. 
That's really funny because on, among the litany of jobs that I had in high school, working at a dry cleaner was one of them. And it sounds like, I mean, it's not a glamorous job no matter what, but my job was in the back separating shirts by starch level and scrubbing ring around the collar off of men's shirts and little bits of blood from shaving. It was just like, wow. So fast forward, you got a master of science in integrated marketing with a specialization in database direct and e-commerce marketing at Northwestern. And I'm sure e-commerce was, was such a different era in e-commerce. Even in 2006, when I founded Nasty Gal, it was like, you know, there's no Shopify or Squarespace or, you know, there's like e-com directors, retail stores, you know, but I'm curious, what do you think the value of seeking that level of higher education is for someone's career and what, what how did that benefit you? So a few things. Yeah, uh, e-commerce was just a glimmer in our eye when I was in grad school. So it meant a very different thing. And what's really interesting about when I went to grad school, so even though I started in illustrious dry cleaning, I always knew I wanted to be in advertising. So from the time I was little, when I would do plays at home, uh, my family was very familiar with my commercial breaks. And it's, it's just, it was always my dream. So when I was in college, I went up to my advertising professor, Catherine Schulte, who's amazing. And I said to her, I want to be in advertising. I was probably 19 years old. And she said, if you really want to do this, there's a great program at Northwestern. And I think you should go to it. And I was like, fantastic. I applied. I got in. And um, a week before I went in, my mentor, who was supposed to tell me things like, here's where the soda machine is, here's where the computer lab is, here's where your classes are, asked me a question that seems very simple but changed my life. And that question is, do you like math? And I said, I do. I really like math. It's something that kind of calms me down. And he said, look, there's this whole new thing going on. It's this database marketing thing because, again, in the late 90s, it wasn't really a thing yet. And he said, if you learn these skills now, then you're going to have those skills and you're going to still go to your advertising classes. You can still go back to advertising. But if you learn these skills, then you'll be one of the few people that know how to do this. And I said, well, that sounds interesting and sort of risk-free because I can still do advertising. So why don't I try it? So that was how I got into what I got into. I, I've talked to very few people who were young when they said, I want to get into advertising. Was How were you exposed to advertising? Was What inspired you to decide at a young age, I want to be in advertising? It's really weird, isn't it? I've thought a lot about it. Um, I've talked to my mom who says you always wanted to be in advertising or a teacher. Being a teacher seems a little bit more like as a child, you understand. But I remember looking at it's very strange, right? Looking at commercials and being fascinated by them. And then watching this, I think was the first time when I was sort of able to explain or have my brain get around what I meant, uh, watching Who's the Boss. And you had Angela, who was going into the city all the time with her big advertising career, making commercials. And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's what I want to do. Wow. Do you remember the first campaign that you worked on? Oh, my goodness. So the first campaign that I worked on when I was in college, I went and worked at a small advertising agency in Chicago, and I was working on Tropicana. I learned about color processing on a Tropicana food service ad. You mentioned having a mentor, and that's something we talk a lot about on Girl Boss Radio. We actually have a whole other show on mentorship, and it's something that's kind of hard to find. No one's really facilitating mentorship for us, but it's incredibly important to bring others along with us and to have other people bring us along with them. How did you find that mentor? How did you maintain that relationship? Are you still in touch with them? I have a few mentors, I'd say, and 
as I've gone more through my career, I think the advice that I would give younger me is try to more specifically, because I think as you were saying, mentorship is really now more being publicly talked about in a way versus it used to be more relationships and who you knew. And so I think I would tell younger me, find those mentors and develop those relationships as that because they are so valuable. But I think there were just people who I admired at different times or I would have a question. Um, I tend to be very inquisitive. The other thing I think when you're younger is a lot of times you look at it and you're like, I don't want to bother them. They're very busy. But I think most women who have worked really hard in their career, if someone comes up to them and says, I, can you help me? That's an honor. It's an honor to be asked for someone to look at you and say, wow, I think, you know, I want to be like you or I want to do some things that you've done. That's really an honor. And I think it's important for people to know that. It's flattering. What people don't realize is that when you ask them for help, you're telling them you're an expert. I, your reputation precedes you. I can learn from you. You bring value to this conversation. And you know, what you're telling them is that they're special and everybody feels great when you tell them that. And so, yes, you're asking for something, but at the same time, you're making them feel good. And I think it's important to frame that for ourselves when we do seek mentorship. Tell me a little bit about what happened after you earned your degree. How does one become a chief marketing officer for such a recognizable brand like Cadillac? So uh, it's been a very interesting journey. And I think there's been the path that I thought I was going on and then the path that I've been on the whole time. And I look at, and I'm much more introspective now, um, but I think there was just, I've, I've always sort of listened to what the world and the universe around me is telling me. So coming out of grad school, I was, again, it's, you know, the late 90s and database marketing is a new thing. And I wanted to go work at American Express and learn database marketing from the best people in the world. And Jaguar came into my grad school and said, hey, we would like to interview some people for a database marketing role. And they had two or three people they had identified and they let other people apply. And I, having been one of the people who really dug into to math and started, I have a good proclivity towards technology as well, Um, they asked to interview me. And at first I turned down the interview because I thought I had my path set out. And my professor said to me, they're coming in. Would you mind just having the conversation with them? Because we don't want to say someone turned down an interview. And I said, oh, that actually, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, That's not the way I was thinking about it. I was thinking I didn't want to waste anyone's time, but I'd love to have the conversation. So I walked in and started talking to Al as the person who was there. And he wanted me to come to Jaguar and build out a database that didn't exist, build out segmentation that didn't exist, um, and build out retention and acquisition programs around that. And in my brain, I was like, I've taken some classes on that, but I've never actually done that. And they took a chance on me and offered me the job. And I went and I decided to do it. And I learned very early on that I really like building things. That was the start of it. And as I went through, I think the the biggest thing that I always did is I've followed my passion. I've enjoyed what I do. And I keep learning new things as the world's changing. I like to learn about it. And that has always brought me to the next and the next and the next thing. Hi, guys. It's Sophia here. Listen, I'll cut to the chase. We launched a digital social network for you. That's free where you can meet with ambitious women 
ask them questions, answer their questions, create a virtuous cycle of women supporting women, and create a beautiful profile where you can showcase not just what you do, but who you are, because we're not LinkedIn Monday through Friday and Instagram Saturday and Sunday. This is a place where you can bring your whole self and advance yourself, your life, along with other women who are ambitious and committed to doing the same in their lives. You can message thousands of other users in a way that's thoughtful. Check it out because the way we do messaging and connecting is really unique. And we have regular programming in the form of Digital Firesides, which is where we bring in women like the women who are on Girl Boss Radio, who may be a little bit further along in their careers and lives to share more about how they're doing it. You can ask them questions directly in real time. So you want to get started? I want you to get started. Let's all get started together. We're starting every day. So just go to girlboss.com and sign up to be a member. It's free. And hey, you might just meet your next co-founder. Data runs everything now, as we know, and targeting has become something that really couldn't exist in the same way that it does today. And I want to get a little bit into how you do that at Cadillac a little later in the conversation. But just to define what a CMO does and what your day-to-day looks like, can you tell us what that job is within a company like Cadillac? Yeah, so I think you know, uh, being the chief marketing officer, the most important thing is to have the customer at the center of everything we do. So we need to understand who our customer is and what drives them. And then from that, we make sure that the products get developed in the way that they should to meet the customer's needs, that we're um, developing campaigns that will speak to people and then we can target them and get them that message. Um, we do a lot of research and, and understand the marketplace. And so, you know, the, the big vision of it is making sure that we have the customer at the center of everything we do. And then how does that play out in all the different areas of the company, whether it's looking at how we're developing technology, how we're developing products, or how we're developing the marketing campaigns that you see every day. So you've shifted industries or gone from one company to the next over the course of your career. So how easy or difficult was it for you to transfer your skill set from industry to industry? It was pretty easy. I think I have a love and a passion for what I do. And that is understanding customers, a love of data, which I know is pretty geeky. Um, luckily, I live in a time when it's it's a good thing to be geeky. And so taking those things and applying it to cell phones or applying it to insurance um, or now applying it to cars, which is probably the most fun place to work. I used to, I started in, in cars and now I'm back. It's really fun. Whatever I'm applying that to, it comes down to, to two basic things, humans and data. That's how I, that's the two things that I start with. And so the industry becomes not as important. It's just what does this thing play in someone's life or what does this thing mean to someone? Cadillac is, you know, at the top in terms of innovation and it's hard to stay on top. The world moves really quickly over the course of your career. How have you stayed on top of innovations in marketing? Because it has changed so much since your career began. I think the, the biggest thing for me is, and this this is what happens when you're doing something you love, right? As new things come out um, or new technologies emerge, I love to learn about them. So 
I think, you know, there's a theme in a lot of things, what, what, how I look at myself, what I look for in other people. I think curiosity and passion will get you there. So if you're really curious about what's going on, you hear, oh, how is someone doing that? Well, let me look at it. Let me understand the technology. Let me get past, you know, sometimes someone's trying to sell you what something does versus what it really does. And so how do you get past that BS and understand what's really happening is like it's, it's an interesting thing. And that's how you stay on top of what's going on. Just you have a lot of conversations, you understand where things are going. And if, if it's something that you enjoy, then you don't mind, you know, sitting at your desk until 10 PM because you're in a rabbit hole of videos about how something works. How much has learning, curiosity, solving those problems for yourself versus being trained in your role kind of very specifically, like how much have you gone out and sought knowledge that has benefited you in your career versus being trained and, you know, moving at the pace that I think our companies expect us to, but obviously you've accelerated that in your career in a really interesting way. It's such an interesting question because when you think look at it, I was originally trained in what I do. I, um, at Northwestern, uh, audited some classes at the Graduate School of Math. I really got into statistics. I can have really good conversations about that. I learned a lot of skills. But if you look at the world as it was when I got out of school and the world as it is today, how you apply those things and what that means is totally different. And a lot of times when you're at the forefront of things, which I think you know, I like to be at the forefront of things. I like Cadillac to be at the forefront of things. And when you're at the forefront of things, that implicitly means that you're constantly learning and no one can really train you because no one knows yet. Learning to learn and teach yourself becomes a very, very important skill to have. And for all of us, I think that can happen on a place like YouTube. You know, I Googled warehouses and what warehouse shelving should look like when, you know, I was graduating from, you know, my bedroom into, oh, my gosh, I need to have some shelves. And, you know, all the way from that to, you know, learning really complex things at advanced stages of our careers, those resources are online now in ways that they weren't prior. And it's incredibly powerful. Um, And so... You're an incredible marketer. Across the board, what makes a great marketer? What do you look for when you're hiring marketers? Like, what are the tenets of marketing that we should always be thinking about? That's a couple questions, but what makes a great marketer? Yeah, so we, and we can peel that back in in several ways, but the first thing is curiosity and passion. And the second thing is a love of human beings. When I'm talking both personally and professionally, I talk about being human a lot. And there's, it's, One of the things I say a lot that my friends will recognize is it's really hard to be human. And an understanding of that a lot and understanding what drives human beings and looking at people and always trying to look at what perspective they're coming from becomes something that that's what makes a great marketer because when you understand human insight and what drives people, then you can speak to people in a more meaningful and relevant way. I think if you don't respect the people, or if you talk at people you're marketing to, you're not going to be a good marketer. So I think that's really the core and then having the the passion for it. 
Yeah, we're in an era where brands need to be human. And we used to just broadcast the same message to everybody right back in the 50s. And it's a very, very different world today because everybody is going to respond differently to what it is that we put in front of them. And so you mentioned humanity, and I think that includes storytelling, but also you're so deep in data. How do you balance those two things when you approach marketing something like the forthcoming Escalade, for example? Yeah. So I think one thing that I'll say, and it surprises a lot of people about me because I will talk about data all day and all night and absolutely love it. But the most important thing in marketing is insight, humans, and really good creative. Because it doesn't matter how well you analyze, look at how you want to target, look at what you want to do. If you don't have creative that's going to speak to someone, if you don't, if you're not creating a campaign that someone's going to want to engage with, and what engagement in a campaign means, it's a lot of buzzwords, right? But there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different things that we're doing that that unfolds differently now. So if you look at something like the Escalade, yeah, there's there's a ton of data there. We know who we're targeting. But as we look at that, we're like, this is an iconic vehicle. It's an amazing vehicle. And how do we bring that to the world in a way that they can experience it the way they want to and the way they should? So you're on the forefront of innovation at Cadillac in car technology, and I know the Cadillac XT4 is the number one selling vehicle in its segment. So you are the Cadillac of CMOs. Um, so, and also you're working to attract a younger demographic to buy the brand. How do you think about marketing to a new generation? Uh, so one thing on the XT4, we're very excited. Uh, Business Insider just named it one of the cars of the year. So um, congratulations! Very, thank you. We are, we love that car, and I think that was you know XT4 was the turning point for our brand. We had gone through a period of you know uh, not enough new product, losing our way a little on who we wanted to to be without that product. And now with the X-T4, it was the moment when we could really come and speak to, as you say, a younger audience, but we could really express our brand in the way we thought it needed to be. So we brought in a lot of color and a lot of energy. We had a great product. Then we started to, you know, we had our regular TV advertising, but we also did some really interesting things. Like we did a digital short with Aquafina, John Mulaney, and Nick Kroll. We uh, went to ComplexCon and had a beautiful exhibit there. We were looking at different ways of, again, how do we authentically show up? And as that is a buzzword, and you know, you're always like, well, what does that really mean? I think, and as we talk about great marketing, something I'm spending a lot of time on now is if you look at what is a customer journey and how do people shop for automobiles and at what points is there influence in that? And that means a very different thing to the point you made. That's not how people consume information anymore. And I think especially when you think about cars, people are constantly shopping for a car. I don't think that there is an in-market. There's a time when you're actually going to go make the purchase, but cars are such a big part of our life, and they're so beautiful and amazing that we're always looking at them. We're always interested in them, and so we need to understand those points when people want to look at a car because we don't want to be somewhere and be in their face when they don't want to be, but when they do want to be looking at a car, how do we do that in a way that's going to entertain them and that they're going to like to engage with us? One of the reasons 
I consider cars as technology at this point. I think for this generation, technology is incredibly important. And I know you have some amazing plans for the future of mobility, including truly hands-free driving, like Super Cruise. How are those innovations coming down the pipeline and how will they change the brand? So a couple things on that. Uh, Super Cruise is absolutely amazing. And if anyone hasn't tried it, you have to go try it. I remember the first time I actually experienced it. And so what Super Cruise is, is it's the technology that allows the car to drive without your hands on the wheel. It actually, as you're going around curves and around bends, the car does it for you and there can be cars next to you and cars around you. As much as I can explain it, there's nothing like being behind the wheel and experiencing it. And it is absolutely the future of driving. And it's it's very, I had a I had a moment, I took a video while I was driving because I could because I didn't need to be holding onto the steering wheel. And the person next to me was sort of screaming in delight as we were going down the road because it's it's so amazing. But really, as you said, cars are technology. We are looking at, and we've been talking about Cadillac will be the, you know, we've got a, an electric future. As we get into that, what technology means and how you experience it and how the car responds to you and adapts to you and helps your life becomes what it's about. So it's not just about going in, starting the engine and driving. It's about the whole experience of driving and what that looks and feels like. There's so much change going on in that now versus any other time. It's it's really a fun time to be working on it. Quick question. Have you ever felt like the most ambitious person in your circle of friends? Because sometimes the people we grew up with or even go to college with end up in really different places in their careers. And finding people like us, finding women like us, can be challenging. Networking is really challenging, especially if you're just coming up in your career. Executives have years and years of networking, but there's no place for us to congregate actually beyond the Girl Boss Rally. So that feeling, the spirit of the Girl Boss Rally is something that we've brought online. Girlboss has built a free online platform and community for women just like you. It's a professional social network where you can ask and answer questions that are relevant to you, search for other women in your community or by industry, message them directly, and we have weekly programming in the form of fireside chats, which are really our AMAs or Ask Me Anythings. You can sign up by going to girlboss.com and get ready for a different kind of networking experience where women support women. I'll see you there. I know Cadillac has a new system for targeting customers, which is really unique. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So with targeting, what we've done at Cadillac is we have flipped it over. So instead of taking, normally what you do is you take the entire U.S. and then you say, okay, here's the age range of people that I'm targeting. And then maybe you layer in things like location, demographic information, and then you have your target. What we did is we built a model and that model was to say, who is most likely to be a Cadillac owner? I lovingly call those our future Cadillac family. 
And so now that's how we target. And we we built this model. And what we did then is, um, as I was looking through it, and we started looking at some of the predictive variables, I said to my agency, it seems like we may have built a luxury and tender model. So how do I know that these people are actually Cadillac? Because a Cadillac person is, is very different. And we ran that through a, a different third-party propensity model. And Cadillac, as your next most likely vehicle, came out 19 times more likely than any of the other luxury competitors. So we kind of had a little cheer moment of we're like, wow, we did it. And now what we do is we take that audience out to our our partners. And instead of having people come to us and say, we have your audience, we have your audience, we have completely changed that conversation. And now we say, here's our audience. If you index high, and we have a tool that will help us, if you index high, tell me how you're going to help us show up different. So I don't want to just run spots on TV. I don't just want to have digital banner ads. How do we work together to make this something? And an example of that is, you know, if you watch college football on Saturdays on Fox, you will see Cadillac with Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson. And they did a spot with us, and it's really fantastic. It gives us control of our data rather than having a bunch of other people come to us with data so we can go out and find that audience and activate it. You lead huge teams, right? And you have over the course of your career. But our listeners often, you know, aren't necessarily C level executives. They're becoming leaders for the first time. They're in the middle of learning how to be a leader. And that's not an easy thing to accomplish. I'm still learning so much about leadership. And so for those of us who are just starting out or a little along the way in terms of building teams and leading teams, what kind of advice or wisdom would you have to share that could help them embrace being a team leader? There's a few things. I think one of the hardest things about becoming a leader, and I think it's it's probably the hardest moment in your career is as you start to transition into being a leader. It's much harder than your first job, even your first job that you loved. The difference of you no longer have to do the work. You have to make sure the work gets done and you need to be inspiring people and guiding people, it's a really hard thing. And you start to look up instead of look down. So it's not the, and there's days when I really miss, let me just get on the computer and, you know, build a regression model for a couple hours. You're no longer doing that. You're trying to inspire people into really being their best selves and making whatever brand you're working on the best it can be. And it's it's a really hard shift. So I think that's the thing you have to remember is your job isn't what it used to be. Your job's not about getting things done anymore. It's about helping everyone else get things done in the best way possible. Yeah, really kind of giving that away, letting people run, giving them the directive, but not making yourself a kind of roadblock to them getting that done because then they're able to move more quickly and understand objectively what it is that we're all trying to accomplish. So there's a few questions I ask everybody who comes on Girl Boss Radio, and I'm so curious, what would you say your proudest accomplishment so far has been and why? So it's interesting in, in trying to reflect on what the proudest thing would be. There's not a moment or a thing. I think the thing I'm most proud of is who I'm becoming as a human and the journey that I've been on. Uh, when I look back to 20 years ago, how I dealt with things, how I consumed the world and how I looked at things. And I look at now how I really try to be centered and I try to help people around me be centered. I try to take a minute to breathe. And I've taken a lot of time 
to do a lot of the hard work, the work that we kind of hate doing. And in that, I've opened myself up to, I think, some of the better things in my life. And so I think that's when I look at where I am, because I could have just kept my head down and plowing through and not paid attention to that. I'm very proud of, of where I am now. And then in terms of, you know, we all make mistakes. You know, over the course of your career, I'm so curious. Are there any career mistakes that have taught you a valuable lesson? Yes, definitely. The biggest mistake I, I made was taking a job that was very good on paper. It was exactly what, if you had asked me, what does my next title need to be? What do my next responsibilities need to be? And it's the same with human relationships too, right? There's the people that you're with that are good on paper and they just don't fit. So I went into a job that was very good on paper. I had a few people who advised me, who were advising me that maybe this wasn't the right thing. And I'm like, but it just, you know, it looks so good. And it wasn't, it wasn't the right thing. But then there's the part of me that, um, has come to believe that I'm exactly where I need to be at all moments. And so I needed to go through that at that moment. But uh, it, it was a really good lesson that when something looks good on paper, it doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah. And I think sometimes those low moments can be what lead us to greater successes because that's when we learn. I think I've heard that when we're at the top, we can tend to get lazy because we aren't experiencing the kind of adversity that we do in the middle and at the bottom in the course of what is most of our life. Um, and so, you know, that that parlays into this concept of success that we talk about a lot here on Girlboss Radio, and it can mean so many things to so many different people. We talk about careers a lot here, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with your career. We all have a different concept of what success means for us personally. In your shoes today, what does success mean to you personally? So success to me is when, and it's it fluctuates every day for me, how what my barometer is, but what success is, is when I feel like I'm really in balance. So if you think about the, the key areas of your life, your work, your health, your family, and your friends, it's very hard to stay in balance and stay centered and to feel like you're doing well in all those things. So for me, it's when I am not spinning um, and I can get myself out of the spin and I'm feeling like I have balance across all of those things because the people in our lives are really really important. And a lot of times throughout my life, I've maybe focused on the wrong thing. So that's success to me when it's when it's in balance and I feel like I'm in a Zen moment. On every episode of Girl Boss Radio, we also have something called Girl Boss Moments, which it can be big or small. It's a moment in your most recent history where you just felt proud of yourself for doing something for yourself. And if it was for someone else, it was still for yourself. So what was your most recent Girl Boss Moment? My most recent girl boss moment was when someone came up to me recently and told me that I inspired them to start a gratitude journal with their family and that it was actually making an impact and changing the way that at dinner they were going around and talking about what they were grateful for and it was changing them. It, and that was just a moment. I think when you see that you're impacting, because we walk around all the time and we're constantly impacting other people's lives and we don't realize it. And sometimes when it comes back and you see it, it's really amazing. So I think that was that was the most special moment lately. This has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.
That's our show for today. A big thank you to Melissa for coming on the podcast, for sharing her story with us, and for helping us make our partnership with Cadillac possible. And as always, remember to follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating, a review, do all the things because it really helps new listeners tune in. Okay, that's it for now. Until next week.